when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silverandblacktoday.com and now your host evan Grote. let's go raider nation welcome to just pod baby you are listening to the week 12 preview episode as the raiders are set to take on the three and seven atlanta falcons on sunday this episode of just pod baby is brought to you by silver and black today your one-stop shop for everything Raiders. We've got articles for you to read. We have our daily radio show, as well as the podcast library, so you don't want to miss out on any of it. Make sure you're following us on all the different formats. Support for Just Pop Baby is brought to you by our sponsors at Manscaped. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. Go out and get yourself the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It features a cutting-edge ceramic blade. It's waterproof. You can bring it in the shower. It has a great LED light on it to kind of illuminate those those dark areas. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on this product. I have one. I use it all the time. It's, it's great. I've never had anything like it. Save yourself 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code PODBABY. Quickly, the rundown for tonight. The show is going to feature two guests. First, we have Marcus Johnson, who is one of the hosts of the YouTube podcast, Tape Don't Lie. Marcus is also a contributor for RaidersWire.com. Marcus watches a lot of film, so I thought it would be great to to bring him on and and have him explain to me and us what he has seen from Henry Ruggs and hopefully ease some of the anxiety uh, that I'm having about the way he's being used. And, And for those of you that are not concerned, hopefully he'll just continue to reassure your stance. Now, our second guest tonight is is D. Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Orlando and I will dive into this Falcons-Raiders matchup and and get you guys all set up for the game on Sunday. But first of all, I want to wish all of you out there a very happy Thanksgiving, and I want to say thank you to you guys, um, and that I'm very grateful for all of the listeners out there and for your continued support uh, of not only me and Just Pod Baby, but the whole Silver and Black Today family as a whole. So I, I do appreciate you guys. With all that being said, uh, because it uh, is the Thanksgiving holiday uh, on Thursday, the show, again, will we'll just feature two guest interviews tonight. So I, I do hope you enjoy the show. It will be a little shorter. You won't hear as much from me as far as my analysis and my dialogue is concerned. It'll just be our two guests. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and, and have yourself a happy Thanksgiving. Our first guest tonight is Marcus Johnson, Raider fans. If you don't know who this man is yet, you need to. First of all, you can go out there and follow Marcus on Twitter at the Mark John NFL. So go out there and do that right now. Marcus is a film junkie. He's also a contributor over at theraiderswire.com. He's one of the hosts of the YouTube podcast, Tape Don't Lie, along with his partner, B.D. Williams. Marcus, welcome to the show. It's been my plan to get you on for a while. I'm glad I finally have the opportunity. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. You, you put on a great show, so I appreciate it. 
thank you. I, I appreciate that, and I'm a big fan of your show as well. So, Marcus, now the, I, I brought you on for one main reason uh, in particular. I want you to talk me off the ledge uh, when it comes to, to Henry Ruggs. <laughs> We're going to get to that in just a second. Um, but before we, we do that, uh, if you don't mind, could you share with us a little bit about your, your background in football? I see that you're an alum of the Scouting Academy. You're also a scout for ExpandTheBoxScore.com. But, but where does your passion for football and the knowledge that you have in breaking down film, where does that all come from? So uh, I played uh, I played football in high school and college. Um, I played community college at Scottsdale Community College, and I played high school at Mount Point, um, uh, Mount Point High School in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I played uh, corner. Um, I started both my varsity years at corner, and I was I was, I was all region um, my my senior year. So um, so and so then I went into going to community college, and I tore my hamstring, and I I, I didn't you know I, I wasn't the I guess I didn't have that super love football to 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 rehabilitate my hamstring and try to come back. So then, you know, I started doing some some music stuff. Um, I do a lot of music, and then after the music stuff didn't really work out, I wanted kind of wanted to switch up and get back into football because I always love football. I always love breaking out X's and O's and stuff like that. And you know, I watch Playbook with Brian Baldier and Shannon Sharp all the time. And I used to, you know, I used to love that show. I used to watch religiously. So I've always been into the X's and O's of football. And so what I did, you know, to, to, to not just be like some of these guys who just say whatever and not try to, um, you know, just, just say whatever about whatever film. I, I went to the scouting academy and learned from Dan Hatman. Uh, he was a pro scout for the Eagles and the Giants. Um, so I went there and I got some, I got training basically. And um, to basically, I want to look at. He's he's very extensive. Uh, he teaches a lot, so um, you learn a lot during that process. And I mean, that's mostly where I've got my football knowledge from. Um, and then, I, of course, I'm I'm constantly learning. Um, I re- go to coaching clinics. You know, I I go down to the senior bowl, watch tape, a bunch of guys. Um, I'm just constantly learning. Uh, you know, I'm open to, to you know, I don't think I'm the smartest guy in the room. But I'm always open to new ideas, and if I'm if I see something wrong, I you know I want somebody to tell me um, because I'm open to it, and I think it's it's awesome to keep learning. So, uh, I mean, so that's a little bit of my background in football. Excellent stuff there. And as I've said many times before uh, on this show, I, I love what you and your partner, B.D. Williams, do. Uh, I love your podcast because you, you put guys like myself, you put us in our place. I like to get on here and I like to rant and rave about what I'm seeing in these games. But but yeah. many many people out there, myself included, I'll, I'm not going to lie, we, we don't have the knowledge that the guys like you and, and B.D. Williams and some of these other film film junkies out there have. So I, I think it's, it's really great what you do because... Because you, you teach the game uh, to, to people like myself, and, the, and people can learn a lot from listening to your show. So I do encourage everyone yeah. out there to go out there and subscribe to your podcast. It's on YouTube. It's called Tape Don't Lie, so go out there and do that. But let's get to the big discussion now. Really, the main right. reason that I have you on here tonight, let's talk about Henry Ruggs. I've been very vocal about his usage and the lack of production this season from Ruggs. Yeah. Despite the offense being very successful, scoring a lot of points, um, the offense is absolutely not the problem. I still believe he needs to be more involved. Now, let's first start with some of the positives. From what you're seeing on film, what is he doing right now that is helping the team? Uh, I think what he's doing right now is helping the team. He's, he's just getting a lot of attention. Uh, I think he's getting so much attention. That's why we're seeing Aguilar uh, playing so well, because I think Aguilar is not getting any attention, and Ruggs is getting all of it. So, I mean, the teams are basically focusing on Henry Ruggs and are focusing on Darren Waller. I feel like if they take those two guys away, then Derek Carr's going to have probably struggle or he's going to go somewhere else. So 
that teams are are betting on. They're betting on. I I can if we stop Lutz, we stop Waller, then they, they're gonna have trouble moving the football, or they have to run the football, or whatever they need to do. So I think that's some of the positives um, that he's doing for this offense. I will say some more positives for him himself. I think he's becoming a better route runner as the season goes along, and you know, and, and I think you know from from watching him week one to watching him now, I think he's he's getting better against press. Um, he's getting better against certain situations. Um, you know, on the Tape Zone Live podcast, me and BD talked about um, him stacking receivers, and, and, you know, he dropped that ball against the Broncos, and, you know, BD brought up the point that maybe he's thinking too much about some of his routes and stuff like that and makes sure that he's got everything right and he forgot to catch the football. But, you know, so it, it, it's more of uh, him learning because uh, he just wasn't pro-ready. Like, you know, a lot of these guys that we see around, like Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lambs, those guys were pro-ready players. Like, they are ready to go. You know, they're they're – you know, plug and play. Russ is more of an upside guy, so um, there's going to be some struggles with him, um, just overall because he has to learn how to adjust in the NFL. Okay, fair enough, and, and I agree. I okay. agree with you. A, a lot of his contributions right now may not be showing up in the box score, but that doesn't mean he's still not an important piece of the offense. Obviously he is. He's doing a lot of things that are helping out other players. But for me, and I think many other people out there who share the same concerns as I do, it's less about the player and more about the coach. I I think Ruggs is an unbelievable talent. Don't get me wrong. I I love the player. But the thing that I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around is how you can use such a premium pick, 12th overall, on a guy like him and not be doing more to get him some touches, only 26 targets through eight games. So my question to you is, explain to us from what you're seeing on film, how is Gruden primarily using rugs right now? I mean, right now he's just, he's just a deep threat. I mean, they're running him deep. I mean, that's basically what they're doing. Um, I mean, they're calling his number a lot. But, you know, I think the Raiders are trying to be more aggressive this year. So they're calling his number. But, I mean, if somebody's over the top, I mean, Derek's car is not, at this point, Derek Carr is so comfortable in the offense. He sees somebody over the top, he knows where, where to go and get it through his progression. So, Derek Carr is, you know, he's making Gruden right a lot more than, you know, uh, than he is right now. But, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think week one, if we go back to week one, right, against Carolina, and the way they use rugs in that game, I mean, what, the first half, the first quarter and a half, what he had, like, he had, like, uh, six touches for, like, 55 yards. Or something like that, um, or even more than that, I think it was six touches for 66 yards in just the first half, and then he got hurt. So, I, you know, I don't know why they got away from that. I, I mean, I, I don't know what their 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 thought process is there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he deserves to get a lot of a lot more touches in the short and intermediate game, or I mean, even the screen game, uh, the jet sweeps. I think they they have an idea to be a lot more creative, but I think they, you know, I think they disconnect a little bit too for me when just watching him. On tape is that you know if you if you if you brought him in thinking he's Deshaun Jackson, right? Because Deshaun Jackson he got ball. He Deshaun affects the ball like a center fielder, like more like you know like he's King Griffey. He tracks the ball in there, like uh, ex, you know he's excellent at that, right? And it's hard for him to he can adjust, he can adjust, uh, you know, adjust his body to catch the football. I think something Ruggs was doing in college, and so we expected him to come in and be Deshaun Jackson. I think you evaluated him incorrectly. I think you need to, you know, realize how Alabama used him because Alabama used him in different ways. Like they used jet sweeps with him, they got him screens, they got him quick slants. They really didn't send him deep like that, even though he's fast. I mean, Alabama didn't send him deep, and so I, I think that evaluation of him. And if you brought him in to be Deshaun Jackson, I think that's a bad evaluation on their part, too, a little bit, in my opinion. 
Right. So, so that kind of brings me to the next point. You know, you're yeah. talking about how Gruden is primarily using rugs as a deep threat. And I understand vertically, he opens up a lot of things, you know, that, that ability that he has to get behind defense, that really puts a lot of pressure on opposing teams. But I think you and I both agree, he's more than just a deep threat. And you touched on some of the other ways that they could get him involved. In your opinion, let's talk a little bit more about that. What, what could okay. Gruden be doing to manufacture some more touches for rugs? I mean, uh, I mean the jet sweeps. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Evan, but every time he, he gets a jet sweep, I swear he gets first down. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, he does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, I, I, absolutely. I, I swear he does. <laughs> he does. I mean, the uh, the Chiefs he got a first down. The Browns game he had a first down. Obviously, I'm trying to think of all the times he jet sweeps. So he fills the ball in his hands. So he, and then even the Panthers game. I mean, they 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 ran a speed option with him in this Panthers game. They. Uh, they did some other cool things with him. Um, I, just, I don't know why they got away from that, um, to be honest. So I, I do think that they need to try to manufacture touches, but I think also, you know, Gruden loves him a veteran. And I think that his, you know, he's trying to get over his hatred for rookies. I think that that's the thing. Like, I mean, if you if you go back, I mean, you talked to um, uh, I think Jerry Porter, who, who, you know, he did an interview and, uh, Gruden was come back. He talked about how much Gruden hates rookies, right? And I, I think that's still a thing. And I think when he saw Nelson Aguilar, who was a veteran receiver, start to take off a little bit, I think his mind's like veteran. You know, he's okay. There's, there's a guy he's always in his spot. I don't have to teach him anything. You know, I don't have the patience for that. And I think that's a little bit of Gruden's problem too, is that he doesn't have the patience for Henry Ruggs to develop his, his offense. He's just gonna move on because because even in past game, I think Ruggs had his lowest snap count. So me, you know, it's it, it's kind of scary to think about the future of this. Like, is he is Gruden just so much Nelson Aguilar that you know he's just going to move on to the veteran, or is he going to stick with the rookie and be more patient and let the guy develop? Um, it's just, it's going to be interesting going forward, in my opinion. Right. Uh, our guest tonight is Marcus Johnson from the Tape Don't Lie podcast. I just got a couple more for you, Marcus. Um, yeah. Because you do spend so much time looking at the tape, you're obviously more in the know about this stuff than I am. Um, what would you say to people like me who are continuing to be disappointed with Ruggs and the way he's being used and, and have concerns with him early on? How how do you kind of talk me off that ledge? I, I, I would say... The Raiders are a are a, a good team. So the Raiders are. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, they they beat a lot of good teams. You can kind of tell they're a good team. I mean, this game with the Falcons did show us a lot. And I think teams with rookie good teams don't really get that crazy production from rookies. Uh, I think last year, I think a lot of fans last year because they were so dependent on rookies. But I mean, they weren't. They overachieved last year. So they were so dependent on rookies like Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, Trayvon Mullen, all those guys. They performed pretty well. They were more dependent on them because, I mean, they weren't a good team, so they had to play the young guys, right? I think this year is a little different. I think they don't have to depend on him Rose to be to be great for them to win. And I think he still has time to develop. So I think, like, next year, I think I think if, if this keeps happening next year, I, I think we should start to be worried about that because we're in the second year of development and he needs to be uh, coming along a lot more. I, I think that. Uh, I, I, but I think just just because of that, because we're a good football team and it's not really needed from him, I, I think that fans could be a little bit more patient. But also, what I, my personal opinion uh, from watching him on tape, I think if the Raiders go into this final stretch, I think he's going to be more developed, and we might like to say this they get into the playoffs. 
I think we're going to see a different player because I think he's going to be more developed. He's going to have a full 16 games. I think, as I said, he's getting better as a route runner every week. So I think, like, we might see him break out later than we expect. Maybe, like, you know, we seen on some of them guys that take a while. And we might see, like, a breakout game. He might just break out and just figure it out and just go forward, you know, these last couple of games. I mean, we don't know. Uh, but that, that's what I would say. I would say since we're not fully dependent on rookies right now, and, you know, we have some other veteran players to be dependent on offense. I think we just got to get time. That's what I'm saying. That's what I would say. Yeah, I would be all for uh, seeing Henry Ruggs be a big part of this uh, run down the stretch here. Uh, I do, of course, I got to squeeze in a Derek Carr question for you. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've also been a critic of him, uh, pretty mm-hmm. tough, tough critic the last couple of years. But I tell you, he's playing yeah. excellent football right now. I think that's that's obvious for everyone out there. What are some of the areas uh, of his game that you're seeing the biggest improvements in uh, this year? I would say it is uh, everything post snap. He's not being confused. Uh, I think Derek Carr, that was like the, the thing on him for years, is that if if you show him one thing, right, he's going to get into the right play, and he's going to expect that to be there when he snaps the ball. And if it's not what he expects it to be when he snaps the football, it's trouble. I think he might finish. He might try to get out of the pocket too early. He might throw a pick. You know, things like that. He's not and maybe it's he, he wasn't fully comfortable in Green's offense. This year, it's not happening. I mean, the Chiefs threw a lot at him. They threw a lot of exotic looks, a lot of different looks. Tyron Tara Matthew was moving all over the field. You had no idea what covers they were pro, uh, pre-snap. They, they were showing, like, they would show one thing, and then they'd come out and they show another thing. And, he, you know, the Bucks did that too, and Carr's not being fooled. I think that's a huge... That's the main thing is that he's not being fooled. He knows where to go. He has full control of this offense. Um, he's reusing his legs because of that. I think that's why he's using his legs more because he knows when he's gone through every read and he knows that, okay, so I got to run now. I think he's scrambling more because of that um, because he's able to read the field. So, like, if you show one thing and everybody bails out, like, I think the, uh, um, a good example is the Browns game where that third and eight when he had that big run. Um, to to, to uh, you know they weren't able to pass the ball that much, but the Browns they all backed up. He saw it real quick. As soon as he hit the back of the drop, he just took off. Like it wasn't like a it, he didn't have to think or anything like that. He just hit the back of the drop. He took off and got the first down. And I think that's if he's not he's not thinking as much. It's more instinct. It's more you know the toughness and things like that. It's, it's I think last year he was just thinking. He was all thinking, all like, I don't know exactly what I want to do. And I think now that he's not thinking, he's just playing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. And, I, and he just seems much more relaxed. And I think a lot of that has to yeah. do with being the third year in Gruden's system. So, all right, Mark, Marcus Johnson, everybody, be sure to give him a follow on Twitter at the Mark John NFL and subscribe to his podcast on YouTube, Tape Don't Lie. Marcus, thanks so much for the time and thanks for hopping on with me tonight. And, and of course, have a happy Thanksgiving. You as well, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right. We now bring in our next guest for this week. Let's welcome in Atlanta Falcons beat writer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Mr. D. Orlando Ledbetter. Orlando, thanks for for joining me tonight. I'd like to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and and how are you doing tonight? Evan, uh, I'm doing great, and thanks for uh, wishing me a happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. 
Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And, you know, I want to start this this interview with you by asking you about two former Atlanta Falcons players, Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley. This week, the Raiders added both of theirs, both of those players to the roster. And I know that you've covered both of them. First of all, what can you tell us about McKinley and what he brings to the table? And, and tell us a little bit about the fallout that he had with the Falcons organization. Yeah, he uh, he uh, was drafted as a pass rusher. They thought, you know, he showed some promise early playing his spot duties as they were trying to get him over his shoulder problems that he had going back to UCLA. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he never once he got into the lineup full time, he wasn't able to to do much. And then um, uh, they didn't uh, they didn't uh, pick up a fifth year option, and that kind of soured their relationship. He stayed in a good state of mind. Uh, came back in good condition and looked good early in the season before he got hurt. And then um, when he was away from the team, he kind of went to a dark place and started tweeting at the team and uh, talking about, um, you know, that he has to be traded. They wouldn't trade him. And uh, the team didn't take too kindly to that and ended up releasing him. So, you know, it was some maturity and play issues with him. So, um, you know, that led his dismissal here in – uh, Atlanta, you know, some of it was because, you know, Dan Quinn and uh, Jeff Oldbrook were his advocates. And once uh, Coach Quinn got uh, terminated, that kind of soured things even more for him. So, uh, you know, that was just a bad situation for the young man. Maybe he can resurrect his career with the Raiders. Same kind of question I have for you about Vic Beasley. I know that he's had a, he's got a few more years in the league, and I know that he was a free agent this past offseason, and he signed really late with the Titans, I believe, and was unproductive with them in his short time. But uh, do you think that Raider fans should get too overly excited about Vic Beasley? Um, no, 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 they shouldn't. Because, uh, you know, he was here for five years. They did pick up his fifth-year option, a uh, top-ten pick. Uh, had the big year when they went to the Super Bowl, 15.5 sacks under Brian Cox, who was then let go as a defensive line coach. And he didn't seem to play well after that. So, uh, But, you know, effort, he gave effort. He was a speed guy, one-trick pony, and people started sitting on that. So they were trying to work with him um, on developing some counter moves and so forth. And uh, so, uh, you know, they wanted him to come in to camp uh, that fifth year in in the offseason and work with the coaches. He decided to stay away and work with Bud Dupree of the Steelers, one of his buddies uh, that's from down here in Georgia also. And, uh, you know, that kind of rubbed people the wrong way, rubbed the uh, organization the wrong way. And, uh, you know, that, that was one of their first moves of the off season was that, Hey, they wouldn't going to uh, be pursuing their relationship with him any longer. Then he went to Tennessee, uh, didn't report right away. Then when he got there was, uh, uh, you know, from, from what I understand, he, he, you know, they weren't able to get anything out of him. They kept trying and, uh, eventually their patience was thin. Uh, the question with Vic was whether he loved football or loved to play football. Uh, but since he's there now, maybe he can uh, reassess, you know, his mindset and, and realize, you know, this is a special opportunity to maybe resurrect his career. 
Our guest is D. Orlando Ledbetter, Falcons beat writer, joining us on Just Pod Baby. All right, so let's talk about the matchup now with the Raiders and the Falcons. The, the Raiders are traveling east uh, to take on the Falcons, and, and both teams coming off a loss in Week 11. Now, the Falcons season got off to a disastrous start at 0-5 that led to both the head coach and the general manager getting fired, but they've slightly been able to right the ship, and they've won three out of their last uh, five games. What can you tell us about how the team has responded to the firing of Dan Quinn? Well, they came out and started playing a little bit tighter on defense. Uh, They simplified some things, uh, started blitzing a little bit more to uh, try to fabricate a pass rush. And then offensively, they just slowed it down a little bit and started, uh, you know, trying to win a time of possession battle to keep the the defense off of the field. And uh, that was working for them uh, for the most part. You know, they uh, the Detroit game they lost was, uh, you know, one of their ones where they let them come back and, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, no time remaining on the clock pretty much. Uh, so, and then in New Orleans, they just kind of got beat up there. They uh, gave up eight sacks and 11 quarterback hits, and the offense was stymied for the first time this year. So, usually the offense can move the ball, and you try to – the defense just got to get a couple stops here and there for them to come up with a winning formula, and uh, they've been able to do that for the most part. Uh, you know, it was only against Carolina, Denver, and uh, Minnesota. It was a big, big win up in Minnesota uh, after Quinn got fired. So uh, they haven't beaten a, a good team and didn't hold up well against uh, the Saints uh, when they went down to New Orleans last week. So they're trying to put some things together, get some guys back, and uh, try to, you know, just save some, some pride for the rest of the season here. You talked about the Saints game from a week ago. Matt Ryan was sacked eight times in that game. You mentioned that as well. And I was looking at some numbers. Ryan's been sacked 27 times on the season, which which has the Falcons ranked for, with the seventh most uh, in the league. Now, the Raiders are not known for their pass rush, but do you feel that this would be an opportunity where the Raiders could possibly get something going against this Falcons offensive line? Well, yeah, um, Matt Crosby uh, and Jake Matthews would be a matchup to watch. Jake had a tough time with Troy, uh, Trey Hendrickson. And then, of course, they always have a tough time with uh, Cam Jordan on the left side. So going against their right tackle, Caleb McGarry. So the uh, perimeters have, been, have, have not been secure uh, for the passing pocket all the time. So, uh, yep, the Raiders can, can, can attack the edges. And then the Saints also had some success uh, going over the guard, going over James Carpenter, the left guard. Uh, uh, David Niyamata uh, had a big game going over Carpenter. So, yeah, they're definitely uh, will be challenged. I think the Raiders will definitely uh, try to get after that line. Uh, maybe not honor the play-action fakes. The Saints um, didn't honor him. They just went straight to the quarterback. And uh, uh, without a running game, Todd Gurley was uh, hurting the game. Apparently he's on the injury report today with a knee injury. Uh, so that might make their play-action uh, passing attack a little bit problematic on Sunday. Now, staying with the offense, uh, Matt Ryan is getting a little long in the tooth now at age 35, still putting up some decent numbers, though, averaging 300 yards passing a game. Talk to us a little bit about the season that he is having, along with some of those weapons that he, at his disposal, uh, Julio Jones and, and Kelvin Ridley. Yeah, uh, it's been tough for Matt because uh, Julio hasn't been there in two full games 
and then the half game at Green Bay, and then he was in and out uh, of the game against New Orleans, only playing 35% of the snap. So he hasn't had his full uh, complement of weapons. Uh, Ridley missed the game, and he came back against the Saints. So he hasn't had the uh, combo wide receivers on the outside that, uh, you know, makes them so dangerous. And the tight end they picked up, Hayden Hurst, uh, you know, was shut down against the Saints also, although they like him a lot and uh, try to get him seven or eight balls a game and try to get him up the seam and so forth. So, you know, they have weapons. They haven't had them all clicking and all firing uh, at the same time. So it's, it's been a tough battle for Matt this year. Uh, trying to move the ball around to the backup receivers, trying to create a running game with Gurley and uh, Brian Hill and, uh, you know, either Edo Smith or Quadri Olison. So they they have weapons. They haven't been able to get them all going at the same time, and that's made it a little bit tougher for Matt. And they, they bogged down in the red zone. Uh, it looked like the um, the numbers are like the Raiders' 2019 numbers right over 50% in the red zone, and uh, uh, that's been the main problem. They've been able to move it between the 20s, uh, but like the first drive against the Saints, they had to settle for a 28-yard field goal, and they needed a touchdown. They knew they were going to have to score against the Saints and weren't able to do so. So there's going to be times when uh, they uh, they stall and they, they can't uh, do that. Now, while the offense, you know, they weren't clicking too well last week, and they may have been to blame uh, for the loss last week to the Saints, the defense has been the issue for the most part throughout the season. They give up a lot of yards, especially through the air. In your opinion, when you look at the Raiders, uh, is um, is there a matchup that you think favors the Raiders' offense against this this defense? Yeah, uh, the Waller matchup's going to be interesting, uh when they go man, it'll be Fourier Ulukan, who's done a good job on some tight ends, but uh, uh, you know, uh, not uh, one of Darren's caliber. So that would be one. Uh, certainly, Rugs going over the top if they can get the right matchup on uh, some deep routes. And uh, Nelson Aguilar, they couldn't cover him when he was with the Eagles. He had him beat last year. Uh, was streaming down the sidelines and dropped the uh, touchdown ball. So. Uh, you know, they're going to have problems in coverage. They are giving up, you know, uh, pretty much, uh, I think it's uh, near, it's uh, that's 31st in the league and giving up passes. So, uh, yeah, certainly, um, you know, there are going to be some, uh, some some receivers open. Derek Carr's going to have to hit them, uh, you know, throwing off of the running backs, off of uh, Josh and Booker. So, yeah, the, um, that's a bad matchup for the Falcons, no question about it. Now, 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 real quick, one last question for you. The, the issues they've had stopping the pass, is it more so an issue with a weak secondary or a lack of pass rush? Because they do say they go hand-in-hand. Hand. Or, or maybe is it just a little bit of both with the Falcons? Yeah, it's mostly uh, pass rush and coverage. It's both. Uh, the two, they were counting on their, uh, Dante Fowler and Tack McKinley being double-digit sack guys. Uh, Tack, I think, had two. Fowler got two. Uh, he's been hurt right lately, just got back from the COVID list. And, uh, you know, so they haven't been able to, to generate a pass rush. In the game they won, they were able to do it by blitzing, blitzing the linebackers, uh, Foye Ulukan and Deion Jones. Deion leads them in uh, sacks with 3.5. And then they'll bring the safety sometime, Keanu Neal, 
you know, and uh, Isaiah Oliver out of a slot blitz from time to time. So they're trying to fabricate a pass rush to keep that uh, secondary from being on the island back there for long periods of time. But, uh, you know, they sit in the zones and so forth and try to play that cover three. Uh, you know, people are open and they are, they're not passing them off through the zones and so forth and not attacking the ball. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, a, a bad mix back there uh, for, for the pass rush and the coverage. All right, great job. That's uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter, Falcons beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thanks again so much for your time. It was great talking to you. Enjoy your day tomorrow, Thanksgiving, with your family. Be safe out there and, and, and enjoy the game on Sunday. Well, thank you very much, Evan. Thanks for having me, and you do the same. Have a great Thanksgiving, and you stay safe also, my friend. All right, quick thoughts, guys. Two great spots there. I thought both Marcus had a lot of insightful information uh, there on the usage of Henry Ruggs. I know I feel a lot better about the situation. I'm going to try to be a little bit more patient with him. I know he's young, eight games into his career. Uh, he's seen a lot of a lot of extra attention, so I'm going to be a little bit more patient after our conversation. And I thought D. Orlando was was great. He gave us uh, some some good details about you know some areas where the Raiders might be able to expose the Falcons and and I feel that you're all set for the game on Sunday. Uh, That is going to do it for this week's preview episode. Be sure to look for the recap edition late Monday night, early Tuesday morning for some of you on the East Coast. Mo Moten and I will be recapping what is hopefully a Raiders win. All right, everybody, be safe out there. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Try not to eat too much. And as always, just win, baby.